0: and welcome to episode 302 of The Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So we are going to talk about school today. We're going to give an update. Gosh, it is March, first of all.
1: I feel like every time we decide we're going to talk about school, then like six months go by. We're like, did we talk about school recently? And then it I turns know. out it's been a really long time.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is March. I can't believe it's March. That, that in and of itself feels weird where we are circling around this one year um covidversary pandemicversary yes. so that feels weird yeah we did actually a month ago we talked about school in a much broader sense and thank you to everybody we got some really nice feedback about that episode that episode which was from exactly a month ago february 2nd was about making big school decisions and we really did that mostly like, independent of COVID, I would say, like, we talked about yeah. the, the guiding principles that have helped us make schooling decisions for our kids in the past.
1: Yeah. And that is like really relatable any year. I think right now, maybe more people are thinking about making changes than ever before. So that could be like a particularly hot topic, but no matter what, every single year around February or yeah. January, people are thinking about it.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people moved this year. I did. I, we moved our family over the summer, but. We've heard from lots of listeners who have actually moved towns, moved school districts, moved across the country. So that obviously prompts the school changes. And if you missed that episode back in February and you do have some big school decisions coming up, um, I would definitely go listen to that, recommend that one. So we promised we would circle back to this topic because we really didn't talk about this 2020-2021 school year very much last month. And Megan, um, back in January, we did an episode more about advocating for our kids during times of crisis. And that also kind of led into this schooling discussion. And then we, then we were like, but we'll come back and talk about this later.
1: Yeah. Cause it's a big thing. <laughs> and most of that episode was really about a uh, medical crisis that one of my kids had been in, but the school thing kind of like dovetailed with it. Like the, the timing of the two happened at the same time. And, um, you know, you, you probably should go back and listen if you haven't just to kind of get the whole story. But like we were dealing with the fact that the virtual school option my kids had been enrolled in was just not working. And all of these things kind of coming to a head at the same time. And it really got me thinking about, I mean, that was a huge crisis, but I've had many little mini crises over the years where it's like, oh, Clara hates her teacher, like Mm. doesn't want to go to school. Um, someone can't get along with a teacher or something's changing in the middle of the year and that it just happens. And, uh, I think it's always a good thing to talk about. There's like that balance between fighting for change when you can make change Mm -hmm. and then just making the best of the situation when you have to. And I think we probably all find ourselves at that crossroads this year. Like how hard are we going to fight to make this what we think it should be? And how much are we just going to let it go?
0: Well, you're so right. Because I almost think that mom's, um, Normality and reality has become so warped this year that I know I have had times where I've thought, well, this does feel like a problem, but maybe it's not a big enough problem to raise in a COVID year. Do you know what I mean? It's right. almost like we have this giant elephant in the room that even if we felt kind of confident in the past about speaking up or talking to a teacher or making a change, we're like, yeah, but it, everything's different. I, you know, the teachers are under so much pressure and maybe maybe i should give the school a little more grace so i feel like this year has even called into question like all of those little self checks you do to ask those questions you were just talking about like where do i find that balance so it's it's right. been really hard this year yeah it really has well the plan for today um we're going to take a break and then we're just going to kind of update everybody on our combined i guess we have 6 kids who are in school you have two who are out of school now Um, so we'll talk through a little bit about how this school year has gone, what changes we've made this year. And then as we work through that, um, we'll touch on this idea of kind of making the best of your situation. If that, if that seems like the thing to do. And also I feel like we all need just a little, uh, reset for the last three months of the year. Cause this is early March. Most schools will be out by the end of May or very early June. So it's like, we have three more months of this school year. Um, And it's tempting to just want to slide, like just slide into, we're exhausted, just slide into oblivion. But I think, um, I think maybe we can give ourselves like a little reset, um, to go into that last few months of the school year with, so let's take a break. And then Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready to eat meals from our sponsor factor.
1: Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's com code MOMHOUR.
0: Okay, we're back, and I always like to include uh, those who might be newer listeners. So, Megan, just remind everybody who you have in your house that's currently enrolled in school, and maybe just talk us through, like, I know you had kids go from virtual to in-person. So bring us up to speed on the 2020-2021 school year.
1: Okay. So my three school-aged kids are Clara. She's 11 in in sixth grade. So she's a new middle schooler. Um, Owen, who is 15 in ninth grade, so a new high schooler. And then William, who's uh, 17 and 11th grade. So he is an experienced veteran high schooler, an upperclassman, as Mm. they say. So the kids started off the year in virtual. So our school district, I won't go too deep into this because we've talked about it before, but I just find these designations so fascinating how different they are from school to school. Me so too. our school offered basically two options at the beginning of the year, face-to-face or virtual. Knowing that, so face-to-face just basically meant you would definitely have our district's teachers, but at any moment, so you'd, they started off like in school in person but they knew that at any point something could change and Mm -hmm. they'd be out so I opted to go with the virtual program which was not our district's teachers but was ostensibly to be administered through our district and was supposed to be like very similar like the kids would get still have access to like the um to like any kind of extracurriculars not like they're doing a lot of extracurriculars right now but just like they would be kind of part of the school community and have the same standards and like, like very much the same school experience, just hundred percent virtual. And I chose that because I was really worried about the ups and downs of, um, kids starting and then being quarantined or mm-hmm. like, I have a friend who her entire family got quarantined at least once. So like, and not all at the same time. Right. <laughs> so like they would rotate through like one kid's quarantine, then the next, And nobody ever got sick. They were just like constantly quarantined. Um, and I just felt like it would be less disruptive.
0: Can I ask a quick question? Yeah, go ahead. So back I'm going back to like, say, October, November, when it started to get cold in Michigan, cases started to rise. The in-person people who had go- gone to school in person, presumably for some amount of time wearing their masks and stuff, they now, if the schools close, do you essentially have two parallel tracks? You have the kids like yours who were doing this third-party virtual like yeah. totally virtual program. And then what were the kids doing who had signed up for in-person, but then the in-person is closed.
1: So in, when that happened, their teachers um, would teach them on zoom. like kind of like the same way, like on zoom like, okay. or Google classroom or whatever they're using now. But like, it was, it was very similar to like the end of last year, but way more organized. Mm-hmm. So it was real teaching. um, but it was with your peers and your
0: classroom and your teacher and your kids were on this completely separate track that was provided by that, a third party and yeah.
1: they did not jive up. So just because all the other kids went were home, mm-hmm. like those two tracks did not meet. And um, I, I mean, I know I've already said this and I don't want to spend too much time griping, but like, honestly, the virtual program like was so terrible I can't, it was awful. And I find it criminal that this company is actually able to make money. I just Mm -hmm. was like, this is not what our district said was promised. And again, like there's a lot of blame shifting and finger pointing and our superintendent has now mysteriously resigned like mid-term, And like, there's just a lot of stuff happening and I don't know whose heads are rolling and what's actually happening. I don't have all the behind the scenes. I just feel like something at some point was very missold and mismanaged From someone to someone, Mm -hmm. whoever it was. And I know that I try to give a lot of grace in these situations and just realize like nobody can be perfect. But actually, when the other kids in the district went home, that's when the that's when the difference became more stark. Because then you're like, okay, so you've got two sets of kids. All they're learning. Both sets are learning at home. But the experience one group is having is so completely different from the other group. Right. And so they had also ruled that like kids could not switch. Like once you'd made the decision at the beginning of the year, you were not allowed to change until the semester. And I had some extenuating circumstances and threw a big fit and was able to get my kids, which I don't, I'm not a fit thrower. It's not no. the way I am, but I was like, no, I cannot. So my kids did end up back in, um, in face-to-face yet still remote schooling in like mid-November. I want to say they started back like,
0: Oh yeah, right, it's been right that, before Thanksgiving. It's been that long now. So yeah. then they so they they jumped tracks, but they were still doing it from home because the physical school was closed.
1: Exactly. But yeah. they were now in they were in that classroom and the difference was amazing. Like right away, I could just see that their engagement went up. They actually knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they knew what was happening, which was like a big, you know, which was a big plus over the program they had been in otherwise and like um it was, it was incredible. Like the difference was so huge as I was like, why haven't, why haven't there just been teachers that were able to do this from home the whole time? Like, it just felt like that would have been such a simpler. Now I'm not the one in charge. I don't know. I'm sure there's lots of reasons why, but like, it just was like, oh, this is really working. Like these teachers that are already in this district, in this community are teaching small groups of students at home. And it's really working. Whereas when they were in this third party platform, virtual thing. I got the feeling their teachers were managing, like we're almost like freelance teachers Mm -hmm. managing multiple classrooms at once with like thousands of students. And there was, so there was some were, some did their best and you could totally tell some were trying, but like the live instruction was very scattered if it happened at all. And the parents essentially had to piece the day together. So I had no idea what my kids were supposed to be doing every day. It was like, you have these six classes, just do them. And I'd be like, well, how do I set up a day based on that? Like, there's no structure to it they don't have to report right. anywhere like it's just like
0: it's here's independent the work study it. but without like without any guidance there was no te- there, and there yeah. was no
1: teaching there wasn't yeah. any teaching happening and oh and gosh. that was a that was a miss sell like that was it was sold it was it was gonna be live online teaching and that just didn't happen so right. anyway to wrap that all up with a bow the kids were back in remote face-to-face with the district As of um November and then at the semester so they did they went through the holidays and then after the holidays they started back, I believe right after the holidays, the Christmas holidays, they started back in person and they have been in person ever since.
0: Okay. So So like since January Yep. Early January. Okay. Okay. And how's that going?
1: Fantastic. It's great. (laughs) I love it. Uh, I'll never I'll I'll never under or like what's the word I'm looking for? Like underestimate but just take it for granted again how nice it is for them to go and just be like not not in someone else's care it's not that it's like it's I don't have to like facilitate everything because they have trained skilled caring teachers managing their day and then they get to come home and I can just be mom and that is nice
0: and 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 it's part and they're part of a community and there's like yes. rules and norms in that community that you don't have to be a part of. Now you I mean, your youngest is in sixth grade. So it's very different from our listeners who, you know, whose kindergartners are doing zoom, but at the same time, like your older kids have also had more time in school to feel like that's their normal yes. life. Um, so what a huge change to be able to and- get back to.
1: And I don't want to like harp on the mental health thing because I feel like that's been like the catchphrase masks and mental health in the last, you know, twenty 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 one. 2020, 2021. It's probably even the most used words, but honestly, I can see it. I can see yeah. it in all three of them. And Clara comes home and she has a bunch of stuff to gripe about, but that's great. Like she has so many things to complain about now that she's never without things to complain about. Yeah. And the last thing you want is Clara to be without things to complain about because that's like all she has to live for right now. apparently. <laughs>
0: It's part of being a middle schooler. Yeah. She's an 11-year-old girl like yeah. she has she wants drama
1: and she now has it and right. Owen is more engaged and Will's back swimming. And I will also say um and I know this isn't the case everywhere and I know it's very dependent on a lot of factors but our schools have done a fantastic job of managing spread. Like there really mm-hmm. has not been significant or even I don't know that there's been really any cases that have been completely linked to school. Right. Often what it is is it's it originates off campus. Right. And then the school has to report it. So it kind of feels like the schools at fault, but really they have not been spreader events. They've been right. really good and responsible.
0: So it's worked really well.
1: That's great. That's great. Yeah. So that was very long winded, but how no, about that's
0: you? Okay. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's helpful to just, just to hear it. Um, okay. So going back to the fall, My kids, well, going back to July, we moved our family um, up to back to my hometown in July. So in, in the summer, I was finding housing and schools for my three kids who are Violet is eight and in second grade. Reed is 10, but he'll be 11 this spring and in fifth grade. And Allegra is 12, turning 13 and in seventh grade. Um, here in Santa Barbara, elementary schools go through sixth grade. It's one of the few holdovers. Um, most other places I've lived, including lots of other, you know, friends in other parts of California, I think K-6s are pretty unusual. They're not the norm anymore, but, um, but we do have them here. So that's interesting. And I'll get into that because I do have a fifth grader. So it's a little different because where we were, this would have been his last year of elementary school. Um, and so we are, my second and fifth graders are in a local public school in our, you know, five minutes away. And then Allegra is a seventh grader at a private middle school. That's actually goes sixth through ninth. It's a four-year middle school. So we started the year with everyone virtual. Um, the community spread was pretty bad here in July, leading into August, California, uh, we're, we're two counties over from LA County, but LA County, you know, has been one of the The worst, a couple times. It was really, really bad in like July, and then it was really, 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 really bad in January of this year, 2021. So we're, it's like we're we're enough away from LA County that our county numbers are never that bad, but we're close enough that we get treated as a Southern California region, which definitely people here they're appropriately spooked, put it that way, because (laughs) we're we're not too far from some serious COVID spread. So we started. Everybody was online. The public school, the elementary school was Zoom and they did a very nice job. They clearly had learned from things in the spring. And of course, we weren't here in the spring, but um, it was well organized and it was as good as could be expected. But especially for my second grader, especially, it was just, you know, it's just not how younger primary kids are meant to learn. And Violet's teacher is incredible this year. um, But it it's just not the way second grade teachers want to be with their yeah. kids and I know we have teachers listening right now and many parents of you know kindergarten first second I will say I think I think the burden on parents in kindergarten versus first versus second second felt like a breakthrough year because Violet can could read most things she could use the technology pretty proficiently yeah. don't get me wrong she was not happy she wasn't really learning she was pretty miserable but I didn't have to be quite as hands on as even last spring when she was finishing up first grade. And I have so many friends with Kinder and first kids who just the technology is so, you know, it's like, what's my password to log into this? And like <laughs> the camera is not pointed in the right direction. And and where do I need to be? So I, I will say it was not second was easier than first. And I know Kinder's probably just a nightmare, but it was still really hard on her. And, you know, Reed was OK. And Allegra was okay. She was in her room. So everybody was on online doing fine. Like, I felt like I can't complain. Our schools are doing their best. They're pretty well organized. But one big twist for us is we were new here. So we don't have any friends in real life. And so my kids... Didn't they were they were seeing new faces that they hadn't even ever seen on campus, which just meant like I don't know they weren't getting no, on. That's hard. Yeah, they weren't like waving to their friends on the Zoom yeah. or like we weren't getting together at the park later. Like we just yeah. we had no. It's, iso- it's isolating. It's, it was very isolating. So the good news was our elementary school was able to open in person. In late September, so about six weeks after, so it was was only the beginning of the year, and they have been um, on campus full time since. We have a really a lot of restrictions in place that I feel good about and grateful for. I think they were necessary. The state of California would not have let the campus open if they hadn't done all these things. So, when I hear about people around the country going back now. People's kids are going back to campus now with fewer restrictions than my kids have had all year, if that makes sense. So my kids got to go back a long time ago, but there's a whole I, I won't list them all, but like they don't see any specialist teachers. Their specialist teachers zoom in. They don't see anyone else on the playground. So it's completely cohort based down to even like where and how you pick them up. Like they don't know anyone in any other classes. Um, let's see what else masks, obviously hundred percent of the time they're outside most of the day, which is great. Cause we live in Santa Barbara. So again, these are, I'm not complaining, but I do want to explain it because, um, I think it's going to be interesting. I think my kids may have restrictions in place longer than some other people do because it's become so normal at the school. So I was just talking to an Arizona friend who finally felt safe enough to send her kids back. And they, they don't have masks at recess and they're um, 28 kids in a class again. And like desks, you know kind of normal so it's just it's just interesting but it is those really stringent requirements are what allowed them to go back in person so I'm grateful for that and then Allegra's school did also go back in late October um so a little bit later and her school has taken several um like they'll call it like a distance learning week where they proactively either before or after a, a travel vacation if there's an exposure so they'll they're very quick to pull the plug or I guess put in the plug so to speak and be like, yeah, we're not, we're not on campus this week. We're going to do distance learning. So they've been able to go back and forth and same thing. Her school has had incredibly strict, um, like her middle school experience while it's amazing that it's on campus, she doesn't change classes and intermix with other kids. Like she would normally, um, they don't have any of the electives that they normally would. So everybody's been in person since fall. They're all doing fine, Um, what I think I'm interested in is what's it going to look like as those restrictions start to ease up? Because like I said, we, this is a new, we haven't been at these schools before, so we don't know what they were like before COVID. We don't have as many connections to the community. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like we, we are muddling through just fine, but it does feel like, okay, what is, what is going to be next? I think is my biggest question. So
1: what when you when you were talking i was just thinking about how the like the needle keeps getting moved or the target or like there's a million different analogies that we could use like the finish line gets yeah. moved or whatever but like how back in august or july whenever it was i feel like i had to make the decision about whether my kids would go back in real you know in person or not pretty early like i think we had to make that call like in august mm-hmm. like early august um and how at that time my standard was, Ugh, I don't want my kids to go to school and have all these restrictions. It's not going to be like what they're used to. It's right. going to be weird, blah, blah, blah. And that was like a actually like a major decision point in mm-hmm. my head, like a factor that was, uh, you know, really impacting that decision. And then three months later, I'm like, whatever, I don't care. Well, they yeah. just need to be around their friends, even if their friends are all masked and in, in three or six feet away or whatever. And I think in their classrooms, it's actually... I don't think they're able to space them six feet. I think it's like three feet, but masked. Right. Um, so that when they quarantine the kids in. So if you're sitting and you end up getting infected, the kids who sit in front and to the sides of you have to quarantine, but uh-huh. not the kids behind you. <laughs> because ostensibly you're not yeah. breathing at them. Yeah. And then the teachers specifically do not ever stand near any single kid's desk very long. Uh-huh because then they might have to quarantine. Yeah. And that would be a real problem. Like yeah. if teachers started quarantining left and right, we'd have no school. Yeah. So, anyway, um I just find it interesting how quickly my standards changed. Yeah. And and that is just I mean, school or no school, that's everything. Like yeah. what it what it used to be feel like to go to the grocery store with a mask on for an hour. Yeah. It, or like my standards for like I'm not going to do this until it's normal again when you can't do it for, you know, yeah. Three months. You're like, I don't care if it's normal. Right. I'm just going to, I want to do this. Yeah. So and I will anyway, say, I want to yeah. say
0: if, if somebody, um, if you've had elementary school kids home all year and they haven't been back at all for any amount of time, first of all, I'm so sorry, you're doing a great job, however you're yes. managing. Um, but if you're curious, I, I've really been impressed. Like you said, Megan, uh, this spreading at school has not been a thing. Um, Our schools, both of them with these cohort models, they will, if there's an exposure in the class, they'll have that whole class go on Zoom for a week, but it doesn't affect the rest of the school. So that's nice. But even then it's been really only precaution. It's nothing has actually spread at school. It's just that one kid had a family member test positive. So they just out of precaution, that whole cohort flips over to Zoom and continues learning. They don't really skip a beat. And then once the case clears up or two weeks have passed or whatever, they come back. So number one, I've been very impressed at like really no spread within the school, Um, but also at how little kids are doing with play and how the I've I've seen I haven't seen a lot of recess because I'm not on campus. And I I hope we make time to let's let's uh, circle back to that in the second half of the show, because I want to talk about like parental involvement, um, which I've had none but I've seen kids on the playground and I think the school has done a great job of like, yes, it's supposed to be six feet, but they're outdoors and masked and they look like happy little kids on the playground. They've put, you know, um, some cleaning protocols in place on the actual playground structures. And um, if, if you're wondering if it will feel like a little jail to send your first grader to school with all these rules, I've just been very pleasantly like, it just seems the kids feel like it's normal. It's, I hate that it's the new normal, but they're not hung up about it. And I've seen, I haven't seen any supervisors or playground supervisors or teachers who are being super militant about it. Like we're doing all of these layers of protection are supposed to kind of meant to work together. So if you've got first graders bumping into each other on the playground, because it's part of their game, they're also wearing masks and they're also doing this. And it's, you know, so I don't know. Does
1: that make sense? It it totally does. And I will also say that in in Michigan, I mean, Michigan has been one of the more conservative states when it comes to, um, uh, and not talking about politically conservative, like just with restrictions yeah. and how this is all rolled out. Our our governor, I think now has doubled down. Like she wants to be the last state <laughs> who has anything happen. Like, and that's, you know, depending on where you stand and like what your, your stance is on, like businesses reopening and things like that. People love her or hate her. I, I mean, but I can see she's like, nope, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to be like the last one standing in the Great right. Lakes area because the states on either side of us are not um, nearly as conservative about a lot of these restrictions. So all that said, even with that being the guiding force, even still, I feel like the quarantine rules and everything else are pretty reasonable. Like you you only um, would quarantine. If you were near someone else within six feet for fifteen minutes, yep, unmasked, same time, right? Un, well, no, in or it school, doesn't matter. It, in school, yeah. it would be masked, yeah. So it would be if you if you sit near someone for fifteen minutes, period, right. uh, masked. You would, but like that only happens in a classroom setting. Yep. So if if there were, my kids are too old for recess, but if there was a recess, right, you don't, you're not ever near someone for fifteen minutes. Right. You're running around. Yeah. You're, you know, you're outside. Same in gym. Like um, the kids do wear masks in gym, but I don't even think gym would be subject to quarantining at all because none of the kids are near each other that long. So I've been pleasantly surprised at how lunch is a little weird. And Clara had some complaints when she went back because she ended up getting stuck, you know, kind of like off by herself. And she said teachers kept coming over who she thought felt sorry for her and saying, like, I think it's great when you eat all by yourself because then you just get to eat in silence or something. She's like, (laughs) they keep trying to make me feel better, but I don't try. uh, yeah, nice try. But I said, but isn't everyone else by themselves too? She's like, yeah, but they're by themselves at the same table. So oh, I think what it is yeah. is I think there's like a long table and there's like kids lined up and she got stuck like at this extra table. Mm-hmm. But like everyone is separated. It's yeah. this. It's again, it's like she has to find something to complain about. And that's totally fine. Um, I, I think that it it's now become more normalized and feels less weird to the kids. And it probably still does to us because we have decades of experience with right. what it used to be. Right. And they only have a few years of experience yep. Or, yep.
0: or no years. And compared to any stint of doing school from home, like you said, it we all quickly realized that the benefits, well, I'm not going to speak for everyone. I quickly realized that the benefits of going outside the house and being taught by someone else and having peers around you um, were worth it for all these different restrictions and rules and things like that. So.
1: Yeah. yeah. And and just to wrap up that thought with a pretty little bow, had I been, had I had elementary school kids at this time, especially young elementary school kids, I think the virtual schooling would have been what kind of made me say, why am I doing this? Let's just homeschool. Like, oh, if that was my option, totally. let's just do homeschool the way we want to do it. And I think maybe that's been, I could see there being parents who kind of wanted to be homeschoolers all along anyway, And this just gave them permission to say this is the year to do it. And Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome, too, because sometimes you need like you just need everything like you get like get out of school free card. Like you need the like nothing is normal. I'm taking picking up my whole family and moving across the state or across the country card. Like we all got that this year for better or for worse. And I think that's some of that making the best of it stuff. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Well, let's take a break. And maybe when we come back, we'll broaden this so that we're not just talking about ourselves and our kids. Um, But I definitely want to dig into looking ahead for the next three months remaining in this school year. So we'll be right back. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately. And it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore.
1: The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit.
0: Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet.
1: Sarah, our sponsor, Hia Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Higha Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? the steel's not available on their regular website go to h i y a h e a l t h dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults
0: okay so let's kick this off by talking a little bit about <laughs> academic expectations this school year. Hmm. Does any does anyone have any left? I mean, oh my gosh. Um, our friend Christine Ko has an article in the Boston globe right now, um, about it's a great article and we'll link it up in the show notes. And she talks about her upbringing in a very strict, uh, Korean immigrant household and her own academic journey. And then what it's been like this year as a parent who does, you know, have, hopes and dreams academically for her kids and, you know, believes in public school. But yet, what do we do with that? What do we do with our desire to support academic learning in a pandemic year? I think that's like, that's the big question. Like, do we all throw our hands up and just say, like, (laughs) it's going to be okay, which I mean, to be honest, that's like probably where I am. Um, or are there ways to, nurture learning and to continue to fight and advocate for our kids within the system we're given so I think that's kind of the questions we're circling around um so I don't know Megan you have teenagers like you have kids for whom academics have actual not consequences implications but implications thank you so do you want to kick us off here uh,
1: well that was one that was honestly one reason why this virtual thing made me so maddened last year. It's not like I don't really care if my kids have a down semester Um, if they're kind of have equal playing ground with their peers. And I felt like the standards were so much higher for the virtual program and there was no flexibility. It was Mm -hmm. like where I could see with my eyes and heard my teacher friends talking about how they were being flexible with their students and making more allowances like in their real life classrooms and their remote versions of those real life classrooms. Like none of that was happening at the virtual level. And I will also say, unfortunately, I don't think the administration did a very, like the district did not do a good job of like making that okay retroactively. Yeah. So the fact that my kids got out toward the end of the semester, they had to take credit, no credit grades for most of their classes because it didn't transfer. Like the grade, the classes they were taking didn't, there was no way for them to move that coursework Over Mm -hmm. And I was okay with that because credit, no credit, it doesn't negatively impact your score, like your Mm -hmm. GPA. And I also feel like this year, like when it comes to college admissions times, I feel like all admissions teams are going to be looking at this going like, okay, (laughs) you know, like we can't tell from this year's data what is actually happening. So let's just like wipe it clean. So I had to kind of take a deep breath and go, okay, it feels unfair. It feels wrong. It feels like demoralizing to my kids, but in the end, is it going to matter? Um, probably not that much. And I'm also never really been one who's like that fanatical about GPAs anyway. So for me to even be worried about that was a little out of character, but I didn't have anything else to like focus on. I was like, this is the only thing I've got is like what these grades are. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know if that answers your question, Sarah. Um, I, I hope, that everybody gets on the same page at the higher ed level mm-hmm. and secondary education level mm-hmm. and decides how they're going to treat this year, and I hope it's fair. I hope it's equitable and fair because yes. not even all like not even most districts had it as good as my kids did, right right so like that all needs to be equal out somehow, and like I don't know what the answer is, I'm not at that level, yeah, but you know that i i do i hope I'm hopeful that allowances are made to make this equitable.
0: I I totally yeah. agree and I think this uh, covid has exposed in the same way as it, it has exposed or at least opened a lot of people's eyes to existing inequity all over healthcare and education and yeah. you know the labor workforce and everything um it's I I totally agree and it's going to take some kind of innovation and leadership that we haven't had to see before. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if there are some structural changes to education systems. It's just, yeah. and probably that stuff is going to happen over the next five years. It's not all going to be fixed by fall 2021.
1: Um, yeah. And, and just to, sorry to interrupt, but just to add to what you just said, uh, I think this has been a really interesting experience for people who are used to things going their way, mm-hmm. um, due to whatever their privileges. Mm-hmm. And I know we all have different ones. Right. But like when you're in, when you're used to being in a place in the system where things usually work for you and then they don't, you feel it harder than the people who've never had it work for them. And I've just been fascinated just sitting back, like people freaking out about things that like, we're never even, Right, You know what I mean? Or like people can't get their vaccines right now and they want them now. And I'm like, I don't have any expectation of getting them right now. Cause that's just the healthcare systems never worked that way for me, but it's just like, but there are, I'm sure are other things in the system that has worked for me that I don't even notice works for me. And I get annoyed cause I can't get my groceries when yeah. I want or whatever the yeah. thing is. And education's a big one of those, like parents who are used to it working be- for them because they lived in the right district or they paid that property taxes to be in the right neighborhood or whatever it is. When that stops working for you, that's when you're like, wait a second. And it's just interesting how that's equalized, but also, like you said, shown a light on inequity across the board.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to touch on academic learning for the littlest among us, because uh, here's a place where I am not an expert and I'm not an educator, um, but I have heard from so many close friends with preschool kinder and first grade kids this year who have struggled so much with just the system of online learning or maybe even like the way that schools are even if they are in person the way that schools are different restricted you know the lack of socialization they're just little kids are also really struggling and I know I know we talk about the the mental health of teenagers a lot. I think, If it helps to remove the pressure of being academically behind from our primary um, elementary school kids, I think it's just really important to remember that everybody is going to be the same amount of behind. And that Mm -hmm. learners at that age, again, this is where I'm like you know, kind of a little bit above my pay grade in terms of my knowledge. But I believe that learners that age learn best when they feel secure attachment to their caregivers, whoever that is, teacher, daycare provider, nanny, you know, a a smattering of babysitters, mom and dad, when they feel when they're like safely cared for, they have time and room to play and they have healthy, like foundational relationships they're kind of like sponges anyway. So when we're talking about things like math facts and learning to read, and then the answer that's given is more apps and more computer programs and more like, you know, digital summer camps. I just, there's a part of me that's like, hold on. Like, this is like, we're like racing somewhere without really understanding what we're trying to do. So I don't have, a lot of teenagers and I can't speak to that age, but I do, I would love for parents who have the privilege to make these choices to really kind of understand how far ahead a kid already is who has those foundational things. Does that make sense? Like if you have books in your home, let me just put it really plainly. If you have books in your home, if your child is free from hunger and abuse and has a safe place to sleep every night, like you're doing awesome. You are right. among a, a like a very privileged group of people whose kids are natural learners and when they get back to school, they're gonna be fine. So while it's nobody I mean, everybody has the the right to seek enrichment for their kids, but I I do see a lot of hand-wringing about kids being academically behind. And I just, I just want to make sure that those efforts aren't at the expense of stress on kids who are already stressed. I think that's, I think that's where it gets me. Is that like, Okay, but these kids have already had disruption. Even the privileged kids have had disruption. Right. So how can we help them feel settled and secure and happy and playful? That's what's going to allow them to catch up, which they will do in a hot second when they get back on their multiplication. There we go. I,
1: I totally <laughs> agree. And I actually have two things to say about that. One is look at like, um, what's happening right now, for example, like in the city of Chicago, and there's like huge fights happening right now with the teachers union and, um, and teachers and like the city, um, officials and things like that about whether they're going to go back in person and maybe they're back now in person. I don't, I don't actually know where things stand right now. Um, and wherever you fall in that like argument, you're, if you're, you know, if you're on the side of like the teachers who don't want to go back in person because they're afraid of the virus and they don't want to be exposed and totally understand that. And like, there's a lot of different things happening, but you have to also realize that in any city of that size, how many millions, I'm going to say at least hundreds of thousands Mm -hmm. of children are sitting at home while their parents have to go to work. Like, most people um, who I think are in the place that can even be having these concerns probably mm-hmm. aren't in that spot. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if you're worried about your kids' academic problems right now, you're probably not also thinking, I have to go work all day and maybe a second shift and there's no one to watch them because mm-hmm. there's no school. And I just think if that's like a mindset shift that is just a really good, good one to put mm-hmm. yourself through. Yeah. And then to your point about kids like having to have attachments to their, like that's the most important thing, like whoever their the person is they're spending time with. Um, it makes me think of my my stance on middle school has always been grades, who cares? I mean, middle schoolers are learning how to have armpit hair yeah. for the first time <laughs> and smell bad for the first time. And, you know, like, get zits for the first time and be awkward, like really awkward in their own skin for the first time. I'm not going to give them a hard time about their grades.
0: Right. Like,
1: So it's almost like we have to extend that same grace to like all kids right now, because they're all they're dealing with so much that we don't even see because we're not the ones experiencing. Right. So anyway.
0: Yeah. No, No, I love that. I love that. And I think as many of us listening are in a position of Relative privilege, I think that reframe is hopefully takes some pressure off because the goal is not to. Let's see, if we've been here 12 months, the goal is not, I'll just use Violet because she's my elementary youngest. The goal is not to have a kid at the end of second grade this year be the exact same kid she would have been in the sliding doors alternate universe if there was no (laughs) pandemic. That's right. And sometimes I think we still think that's the goal, right? We still think like, Second grader Violet needs to have done this, this, and this, and had these kind of birthday parties and made these kind of friendships and learned these things at school. It's very in a box. Right. Like, because if the pandemic hadn't happened, this is where she would be. Well, I think we have to remove that thinking and say, what does second grader Violet need to feel safe, secure, loved, and happy? And like, that's really what I try to come back to with all my kids, and it isn't academics. I know as kids get older and I know with the high schoolers we are. And that's where I, that's where I say, like, I, I really don't know what to do about that when we're talking about things like college acceptance. And you alluded to like those admissions boards better also take that into account. Everybody better take this past 12 months into account. They have to.
1: Otherwise, what are they going to get? They're going to get some very disappointing candidates.
0: (laughs) It's,
1: you know what I mean? It's going to throw everything off and yeah. they're going to have to recognize that because yeah. otherwise they're not going to end up with the students that they really want anyway. Like right. it, it'll behoove them yeah, to do that. Yeah. And um, Sarah, to, to your point too, and you and I have talked about this before, like when we think about the things that kids deserve or need, and I'm putting those in huge air quotes at X age, like the birthday parties, the yeah. proms. All that stuff. And one thing I think you and I talked about a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, when we first talk, started kicking this idea around is like, what about Little House in the Prairie kids? Yeah. What about like wartime kids? Like what going back through the ages, disruption happens. Mm-hmm. And those generations of kids don't come out like dumb right. or, you know, in, in some ways you would say that they were great, like that that challenge made them greater um, yeah. and more empathetic and stronger and courageous and all those things. So like, yes, 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 yes to everything. I'm talking too much, but
0: no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. Um, I would love to kind of finish by thinking about the next three months, March, April, May. And I just wanted to open the floor with the two of us. And do you have any, like, I know your kids really just got back to in-person school much more recently. Do you have any kind of like, hopes for any one of them who you just hopes gets a certain opportunity or gets re-engaged with their classmates or anything you're looking forward to as we close out this school year, since it would be very easy to just like kind of hunker down and wait for it to be over. But I'd love to hear what hopes you have.
1: Well, I'm not sure the hope is the right word, but here's just some positive things that are happening in our world. Um, Will is swimming this year Mm. and I would say he's had a pretty lackluster, like, first of all, he just started swimming last year. He was never a kid who swam, you know, he didn't swim competitively, like, in, at the Y or any of that stuff when he was younger. He's, he's the kid he could throw in the pool and he wouldn't drown, but I wouldn't say he was a swimmer, and he joined the swim team last year, and he was fine, and then this year he's been okay, but, like, the last couple days, he's had a couple meets in a row where he's swam really, really well. He got two firsts and a second yesterday, Nice, total, like, that was amazing. I have no idea that he was that good, and. Um, I think those little wins are building on themselves and it just gives me hope that like, it, even when the kids slump, they can come back pretty quickly if they have a good reason, you mm-hmm. know? And like, mm-hmm. it it doesn't take a lot to kind of get them going. And then Owen, who's a ninth grader and has been, I would say, checked out this whole year, like just doesn't mm-hmm. care. he has been really, he was one of those kids who I think we've talked about this before that Reed can be similar. Like, yeah. Out of sight, out of mind. So when he's in school, he has buddies. But then when he goes home, he never thinks about those buddies. Yeah. And so the pandemic was really hard for him because he realized that you have to keep you have to maintain relationships
0: or they go away. And ninth grade and so, is a hard yeah. age for that because they haven't had that much practice. Like, it's not like he right. can drive or like, you know, still kind of relying on rides and things like that. So that's. Yeah. Hard. And he just
1: wasn't keeping up with kids. And he's like, no one's texting me. And I said, well, are you texting them? He's like, well, I mean, so. So no, but. <laughs> Anyway, um, I'm not sure socially things have really changed that much, but he his grades were also getting really bad. And Isaac, his older brother, said he'd pay 100 bucks to whoever got the best grades. Which I wasn't even there when this happened. And so now Owen is killing it. And I guess he just needed some kind of mercenary. Oh my gosh! So he's texting me all day to tell me like, guess who just got 100% in my quiz? Like, I don't think you're supposed to be texting me right now, but okay, good for you. And so like, he seems to have found new. fire you and it know came and from his older
0: brother that is the cutest it is really cute
1: so I think that like they all seem to be on the upward trajectory and the yeah. sun is out and everything is in a very positive slant and Claire has new fresh things to complain about every single day so it's all good like <laughs> you know this isn't this isn't going to be a red letter year academically for any child most likely but or most I do think we don't have time to get into this but there's a whole other subset of kids who are probably thriving, not being in a school setting. Mm-hmm. And that's like a whole different thing yeah. that we, we can't, you know, even dive into today. Um, but there's benefits. There's still perks and benefits and things that they've learned that I think are, are worth celebrating. Yeah. So
0: what about I you? That. Um, yeah. So I do feel like because we went back a lot sooner than you, I feel like after the holidays, we've been in kind of like a For the first time, I feel a little bored. Like, don't you feel like all of 2020, you weren't really, other than the boredom of like pure quarantine, things were so uncertain. And I moved my whole family that it it it, just kind
1: of kept you a little on edge. Exactly. And And things change.
0: It's like, okay, we started virtual. Then we started in person. And then the next kid started in person. And then it was the holidays. And then the COVID got so bad that that created a lot of uncertainty here in January in California. So the last like month, it has almost felt like, okay, the COVID numbers are really moving in the right direction very quickly. And we've kind of learned how to do this. So I think one of my hopes for the last couple months is really social because we did move and the kids finally, Allegra has one friend. That's all I would hope for, for a middle schooler. I don't need her to like be in a big gaggle of girls, but she has one friend that she can eat lunch with. They've started to get together outside of school. Um, Violet has a couple friends and is, you know, pretty happy on the playground. Reed has like he's he kind of felt he found a bunch of buddies right away. But then, like you said, didn't really know how to, like, take the next step with any of them. So I think I think as the covid numbers drop here and we live in an area where not just the rules are restrictive but actually like the 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 culture of people around here is pretty covid cautious um so i think we're kind of some of the last people to do things like outdoor playdates and um violet's going to do a little soccer thing outdoors this weekend so i think most of my hopes are social and actually if you'd ask me like in september what my goals were they were probably m- or most of my worries were social because i did move these kids in a pandemic to a brand new school so I feel hopeful about that. Um, I mentioned I alluded to it in the first half, but I feel completely disconnected to these school communities as a parent. And what's funny is like over the many years you and I have kind of like laughed at how how like we don't love to be right in the middle of all the parent volunteer stuff. Like I will run fast from any committee meeting or any like field trip chaperone. Like there's so much about that that I don't love, but, but the big giant pandemic, like, yeah, but I still have a second grader. That's pretty little. And I have several more years as an elementary school parent. And it's weird to feel completely disconnected from school culture. Cause that was a pretty big part of my life before. Yeah. And I don't think that's going to come back this spring, but I, I hope that I don't know how I don't want to sign up to volunteer for anything. I don't think they're going to let volunteers on campus for a very long time. Right. I don't. That wouldn't look the same way. It wouldn't look the same. And I don't really want to just go make a bunch of second grade friends like second grade mom friends. I, I have my friends. So I'm not exactly sure what's missing, but I feel like there's some there's another phase left in me of. Somehow being involved at school, and I just don't know what that looks like. And it's so weird how long it's been. That's but like a right. weird part of my life that's been missing.
1: Yeah, yeah. totally see
0: that. Well, I think we solved nothing today. Nothing. We
1: solved absolutely nothing. That's okay.
0: That's okay. It's a good, um, a good check-in. This is definitely one of those time capsule episodes where, if yeah. in twenty years, if we ever like forgot the details of this, we get to go back year. and be like, "Oh my goodness, that's what it was like! <laughs> yeah. Wow, that was, that was crazy."
1: Well, thanks everyone. And before we wrap, this is just a reminder to check out our sponsor nest designs at nestdesigns.com. Their they a spring and summer collection of pajamas and clothing for babies, kids, and women is so cute, so soft, and they're just a really awesome company. And we're hoping you'll all go check them out.
0: Yes. And definitely watch our Instagram uh, the next couple of weeks, because I'm going to show you the pajama set I got from nest designs and it's super cute. And also, we are doing another listener survey. It's been, gosh, I think about a year and a half. These surveys are really important to us in how we understand our audience, how we help grow the show, how we bring you better content and help connect you to better sponsors. Um, So it's really, really, really helpful when you take our listener survey, whether you've taken the last few, I think we've done three or four over the years. Um, or whether you're brand new, it doesn't matter. We need every, need and want everybody to take it. So that's at themomhour.com slash survey. You'll hear us talk about it over the next few weeks because we'll keep it open for about a month or so. And the link will always be in the show notes. Um, so you can do it anytime. If you're listening to this, you know, two or three weeks after it airs, it's definitely still there and we could definitely still use your feedback.
1: Yeah, definitely go do that. Well, okay, everyone, thanks for listening. We'll be back with you this Friday for a Voices interview. Sarah, you're talking with Kendra from The Lazy Genius, so that's going to be so much fun. And then Sunday, we'll be back with another More Than Mom. So this is a full week. We will talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance.
0: Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data.
1: Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to Erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K. E R I K A. dot A P P and use code the mom hour to save twenty percent. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter.